Hi, you're listening to Art Rant, my silly little art history podcast where I take you on the journey across art history. I'm your host Lana, a passionate art lover who knows way too many random absurd facts about art. Every episode we're going into depth discussing a particular artist or a painting or a whole art movement. The idea is that the next time you go into the art gallery, you're going to know a bit more about art pieces there, and maybe it will help you connect with them. For me, it works that way. When I know the story behind the canvas, it keeps me on my toes with fascination, looking for every detail and every brushstroke. Because art is not only about pretty pictures after all, there's so much more to it. There's certain aesthetic in art, and I'm going to try and show it. Tag along if you want to widen your art history horizons and have some good nerdy time. This episode is going to be very dear to my heart. Well, every episode is, but I feel like this one especially. It's going to be a bit different as I'm going to talk not only about art and artists, but also about history and literature, topics closely related to my field. Today I want to tell you about Suomi about Finnish art in the end of 19th century, the history and mythology of this fascinating country, and of course, I'm going to treat you to a couple of artists. One thing to know about me, well, besides other facts that you already have, that I am very much a winter person, and I'm absolutely in love with Scandinavia. Finland is, of course, is not Scandinavia and is generally quite different from other Nordic countries. The language itself is very unique, but still. I have kind of long-life obsession with it, maybe because of the movements, but that's just a maybe. For me, Finland is a mystery, and I'm going to tell you why just in a minute. It's difficult for me to describe my feelings about Finnish art. Probably petrification is a good word. Not even fascination, but absolute enchantment. It keeps me in one place and doesn't let go, even just photos on the screen. The brushstrokes, people. The brushstrokes. I actually wanted to go to Helsinki in February, but unfortunately it didn't work out. But, well, I still want to go very badly and see the paintings in person. Well, maybe someday. Someday we'll see. My keen interest doesn't always do me good, to be honest. Like the other day, actually a while ago, I went to the library and was supposed to study for the upcoming history exam, but ended up reading stories from Kallivala. I mean, I passed the exam in the end, but still, it was distracting. Okay, now, can't keep my excitement any longer. What is the golden age of Finnish art? What is Kallevala and what role did it play in Finnish national identity? How the world came about according to the Karelian ancient myth? Who is Axel Galen Kallela and Helena Scharfbeck? And what role do they play in the development of Finnish art? Answers to all of these questions and more you're gonna find in this episode, so keep listening. Disclaimer. I am in no way expert on Finland. It's complicated history, literature and art. I just have a very strong interest in it and tried my best to do good research. And also, I sincerely apologize if I pronounce any names wrong. I have a basic knowledge in Swedish, but Finnish is infinitely complicated. It's an absolutely amazing language, but the pronunciation can be quite tricky, so I apologize if I pronounce anything wrong. 
By the way, if you want to get some insight into my creative process and just updates on my content, you can follow me on my social media. It's artrand underscore with Lana on Instagram and TikTok. I also post some extra content there in form of fun facts and videos along with, well, my general life. Again, it's artrand underscore with Lana on Instagram and TikTok. Okay, finally, everything out of the way, let's get right into it. Finland is a country which has been independent for only a bit more than a hundred years, and it's already the happiest country in the world, according to the polls, and has one of the best educational systems. It's basically sandwiched, so to say, between Sweden and Russia, and as a consequence has been under Swedish rule for about 500 years, until in 1809, after the Finnish war, it became the Grand Duchy of Finland and was part of Russian Empire until the clearance of Finnish independence on the 6th of December 1907. And that's why it's a mystery country to me. Being independent for such a short period of time and already having a very high standard of living, how, but like honestly, how Finland? Especially that Finnish identity as such started properly developing only in the end of 19th century. It has probably something to do with the victory in the Winter War, when such a small and young country could defeat the big, scary Soviet Union and basically left Stalin looking like a fool. Uniting in the face of a common enemy always does wonders with the efficiency and motivation of the people. Especially if this enemy is Russia. But like, let's not get into that. you about Kalevala and how it prompted the golden age of Finnish art and helped the national awakening of Finland. At the time the Grand Duchy of Finland was undergoing quite severe Russification. However, it wasn't meant to last long. Kalevala is the most significant work of Finnish literature. It's epic poetry, compiled from Karelian and Finnish oral folklore and mythology, telling an epic story about creation of the world. For the record, Karelia is the area of Northern Europe of historical significance for Russia, Finland and Sweden. Now it is divided between Northwestern Russia as the Republic of Karelia and Finland as the regions of South and North Karelia. An absolutely beautiful and stunning place nature-wise, it's quite breathtaking, a lot of messy forests and lakes and absolutely amazing. Finnish physician, philologist and scientist Elias Lundröd was the one who collected all the myths, stories and legends and eventually created Kallevala, which had five editions, originally being published in 1835 and, well, was very well received actually. Later being translated in Swedish, it opened doors to Europe as well. Essentially, Kalevala is telling an epic story about creation of the world, as I said, and as any good myth, it has stories of magic, lust, vengeance and death. According to it, the world came from the egg, and then the eggshells formed the sky, which was supported by the great oak tree. However, the oak tree grew so large that the world was covered in darkness. Don't worry though, later it fell and instead grew massive forests. Of course, there are also gods. There is Vainamoinen, which is a primordial god who was involved in the creation of the world. We have the father god Ukko, who is also the god of sky, harvest and weather. Perkele, god of thunder. 
Both of them, Ukko and Perkele, were demonized by Christians when they came, and Perkele actually meant demon in Bible translation, and now it is used as a swear word in Finnish language. Isn't that fascinating? Linguistics, huh? The world is divided in Kallevala and Pohjula. Pohjula means the north in Finnish language, and it is seen as the land of women whom the male heroes from the land of Kallevala seek as wives. Over the mysterious land rules the powerful witch Lohi. With her connected one of the most significant stories in the whole poem, the story of Sampo. Sampo is a device that brought riches and good fortune to its owner. It is said to make limitless amounts of flour, salt and gold out of thin air. It is forged by the god of wind, weather and travelers, talented blacksmith and inventor Ilmarinen, for the witch Lohi in exchange for her daughter's hand in marriage. However, the daughter refuses and Ilmarinen returns home with nothing. Eventually, he, with the help of Vainamoinen, wants to retrieve the magic Sampo, but in the result of battle between them and Lohi, the Sampo is broken and lost in the sea. One of the greatest moments in the story is when Lohi turns herself in an eagle and carries the whole army on her back. Talking about powerful women, gosh! There is also, of course, the land of the dead, underwater Tuonella. More gods include Tapio as the god of the forest and Ahti, the great god of the sea. Lakes and rivers are often referred to as Ahti's realm. Fun fact, a lot of Finnish companies are named after the gods, which I personally find very amusing. There can be like, I don't know, an insurance company called Ilmarinen. I'm not sure if there is actually one, but there could be one theoretically, and that's so amazing. Kallevala ends with an allegory to the arrival of Christianity and Vainamoinen's departure. It is said, however, that he shall return once again when needed. So look out, people! I would recommend you checking out the YouTube channel, which is called Finnish Mythology, if you want to know more well about Finnish mythology in particular. The illustrations are quite interesting and unique, and the stories are told in a very accessible way. And I just really, really liked it. By the way, it was Kallivala that inspired Tolkien to write Lord of the Rings. And the language of the elves is partly derived from the Finnish language. Isn't that amusing? Anyway, let's move on to the Golden Age of Finnish art, which stretched roughly between 1880 and 1910. It consisted from realist and romantic national painters who drew inspiration from Kallevala. Finnish art as a whole became widely known in Europe at the Paris Exhibition of 1900, where the Finnish pavilion was one of the most popular. It was the time when Finnish national identity started developing and taking shape. The nation was being built and art was showing the way. So, I think it's finally time to meet our today's hero. I thought we'd start with the leading and one of the most famous Finnish artist, Axel Gallen Kallela. Born in 1865 to the Swedish-speaking family as Axel Valdemar Gallen, he officially Finnanized his name in 1907. His father opposed young Axel's ambitions to become a painter, and the boy was sent to the grammar school. 
However, after father's death, he started attending drawing classes at the Finnish Art Society. Later, moving to Paris in 1884, Axel made friends with Finnish and Norwegian painters and even one of the most iconic Swedish writers, August Strindberg. I'm reading his book right now, which is called The Red Room. I understand practically nothing but the language itself, I mean, I'm obviously reading the English translation, but it's just, it's just something else. I don't understand a thing. The plot is very vague, but it's very fun. Anyway, that's just on the Swedish writers here. Uh, okay, in 1890, Axeli married Mary Slur, and the couple had three children. Spending their honeymoon in East Karelia, Gallen started collecting materials for his depictions of Kallevala. First having quite a romantic style to his painting, later he moved on to symbolism. In 1894 he moved to Berlin to oversee the joint exhibition of his works, presenting with the works by Edward Munch. One year later Axel receives a telegram telling that one of his dear daughters died. This tragic event became a turning point in his work. He started to paint more aggressively and vigorously. It's clearly seen in one of his most famous paintings, The Defense of the Sampo of 1896. We see a boat amidst a bubbling sea full of ornaments, with long bearded Vainamoinen on it, raising his sword against the witch Lohi, who is depicted almost like a caricature. She's skinny with very old-looking face visible veins on her neck about to burst and expansive wings of an eagle filling almost the entire upper part of the work. Young men are trying to puncture her from underneath with their spears and on her back looking out curiously her own army of fighters. The painting is loaded with dynamism and activity. It's almost like we are witnessing the actions of the old myth and the heroes firsthand. The faces are depicted quite characteristically. It feels like they are going to start moving just now and we will see them battle for the old magic device. Even though the stars depicted quite schematically, it doesn't feel cartoonish or primitive. Quite the opposite, bright colors and definitive brushstrokes almost lure you in to be lost in the world of old Finnish legends. For Paris World Fair of 1900, which I mentioned before, he created frescoes, like Ilmarinen plowing the field of vipers. Exactly this work secured him, so to say, the status of the leading Finnish artist, especially with political message being concealed in this work, as one of the snakes is wearing a small Romanov crown. A clear desire for independent Finland. Among other things, Axeli became the first Finnish artist to work in Sahara, where he went on his travels. He fought in the Finnish Civil War of 1918, later helping to design the new flag, official decorations and official uniforms for his newly independent country. In 1924, Axeli moved to USA, where he was left quite impressed with Native American art and later moved to New Mexico. He still traveled a lot and exhibited in various different cities, consequently dying in 1931 in Stockholm. There is just one more painting of his that I want to talk about, just because I think it's enchanting and, well, I just simply love it. 
The first lesson was created in years between 1897 and 1899, and it depicts a peasant familial scene. I don't know what exactly, but something touches me quite deeply in this painting. We see probably a father and a daughter sitting at the old wooden table in the old wooden shack. Behind the window we see the pure whiteness of a winter landscape. The girl, who cannot be older than six or seven years old, is barefoot and wearing a thin white nightie. She has two uneven pigtails, which are depicted with some kind of subtle gentleness and which were most likely made by an unused hand of a man sitting on the bench to the right. Probably a father of a girl, he has curly, untamed black beard, and in his rough hands, which definitely done some hard work, we see that he's holding some kind of a pen or a stick. On the dark, practically black background, his bright blue eyes are lighted from the window by the cold glow of winter sun. He's looking at the girl with the heartwarming tenderness of a loving father. The girl, who has her back on us, lowered her face over the table and evidently reading some paper, trying to do her very best at her first ever lesson. The delicate brushstrokes create this painfully simple scene of peasant life. The way Axeli plays with light and shadow on the white sleeve of a man is quite fascinating, as it is not white, but grey, green, pink and orange. concluding with our first hero, we are coming to the next one. But it is actually a heroine. Helena Scharfbeck is also one of the most important artists of this time. In fact, her birthday, July the 10th, is Finland's national day of the painted arts. She was born in Helsinki in 1862 and already showed her talent as a small child. By the time she was 11, she was enrolled at the Finnish Art Society School of Drawing, then continued her education at the private academy. When she was little, she injured her hip after falling down the stairs, which would later manifest in her works. At 18, Helen's work was already displayed at the annual Finnish Art Society exhibition. Later that year, after receiving a grant from the Imperial Russian State, she set off to Paris where she studied at the Academy Calarossi. She moved around frequently, painting and studying with various people, made money by putting her works in the art society exhibitions, even participated at the salon at certain point. In 1890s, started teaching at the Academy of Fine Arts, from which post she resigned in 1902. In 1888, she created one of her most important works, The Convalescent. A sick child was frequently recurrent subject at the time. However, this painting is rather about recovery and return to vitality, to life. The subject was close to Scharbeck's heart as she was also a sickly child and she returned to it many years later, making graphics with the same theme at the age of 75, some half decade later. Helen completed this work in some English coastal town in the spring of 1888. We see a small child sitting at the table looking at the little branch with green butts on it. Because of the scrubby head and a cloth wrapped around the body, it's evident that the child is sick or is only now recovering from the illness. The brushstrokes are light but definite and the scene seems to be flooded with light coming from the windows. 
The influence of Impressionism is clearly seen in this work. The painting is full of feeling of hope and lightness, the kind we feel after the long illness or the long winter, and adding to it the small branch is a symbol of a new life. The work was exhibited at the Salon the same year of its completion under the title of The First Greenery, and generally was very well received in Paris. However, back home in Finland, though praising a technique, the painting was considered extremely modern and the child was said to be depicted too realistic. Continuing with her travels, she exhibited in Malmö, Stockholm, St. Petersburg, Copenhagen, Gothenburg. Later in life, Helen created a series of self-portraits, as she was painting actively until the very end, leaving well over a thousand pictures after herself. Throughout her life, her style changed quite dramatically, from the French-influenced realism and plein air art to modernism. Quite noticeworthy that in the beginning of her career she often produced historical paintings, quite an unusual subject for a female artist, and as a result her works of 1880s did not receive a favorable reception until later in her life. Her work starts with a dazzling, skilled, somewhat melancholic version of late 19th century academic realism. It ends with distilled, nearly abstract images in which pure paint and cryptic description are held in a perfect balance. And that's quite true, her late works appear to be quite abstract and modernist and yeah, her late, she created a lot of self-portraits to the end and I think she just as many artists just try to understand who she is and how to express her rich inner world, which is quite a common theme in art. The very last painting I want to talk about today was done by neither of these two artists, but by the artist who lived a bit earlier than them, as this winter landscape evening atmosphere was created in 1880 and is one of the last works by Fanny Charberry. I wanted to talk about this painting for a while now, but just couldn't find the right occasion. Well, I guess this is the one, huh? There is nothing too extraordinary about the life of Fanny Charberry. She started studying in Helsinki, then continued in Dusseldorf, was one of the first Finnish artists to create in Paris. Her career ended suddenly in 1880 after the death of her beloved brother Thorsten. Well, I mean, she just stopped painting after that. However, her paintings are charged with such unmatched force that you can feel it even through the screen. As I said, I'm very much a winter person, and I think there is nothing quite so beautiful and magical than the winter sunsets. When all day the ground beneath your feet and the trees around you are completely covered with the white, white snow. But as you look up in the evening, or rather in the afternoon, you see a full ensemble of colors. The world around you changed in this inexplainable way, majestic way. The yellow, orange, red and blue in the sky reflect on the snow and you don't see fog coming out of your mouth anymore, as such scenery will take anybody's breath away. Exactly this atmosphere Charberry captures in her winter landscape. The sky is fiery orange on the horizon, with heavy pink-gray clouds hanging over it, and just a piece of bright blue visible in the left corner. 
the lonely figure standing on the edge of a lake, admiring the view with snow-covered pines and a small cabin seen on the other shore. The brushstrokes are fast and distinct. The scene is depicted with a clear understanding of perspective and composition, and above all with a dramatic restlessness, the feeling that only everyday nature's wonders can give to us. God, I love art and I love winter and I love Finland, as became abundantly clear from this episode. I'm so sorry it took such a long time for this episode to come out. I've been working a lot lately and didn't have the time or the energy, to be completely honest with you, to write or to record. And also, this one was a lot of research and I wrote the paintings descriptions myself. Hope you like them. Okay, today I took you on the journey across a brief history of Finland and the birth of Finnish national identity from old folk myth and legends. We talked about Akseli Galen Kallela and Helena Scharfberg, two of the most important artists of the golden age of Finnish art, their works, and well, we finished off with my fanatic obsession with winter sunsets. I would highly, highly recommend you the series called The Stories of Finnish Art on YouTube. Treat your eyes and ears, people. It's absolutely magical. You just, they like take camera and they just film the painting very, very closely and the music adds to the magic of it and you hear the story of the artist and the story of the painting. It's the out-of-this-world experience, I promise you. Again, it's the Stories of Finnish Art on YouTube. It, it was one of the things that made me completely and utterly fall in love with Finnish art. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast. It would mean a lot to me and will help other people to find this silly little art history podcast. Also, you can find me on TikTok or Instagram under the name of artrand underscore with Lana. For now, keep enjoying the art world and until the next time, bye!